0: Uh, Today is February the 21st, 2012, and we're going to uh, apply our SOP, our standard operating procedure, which is a few moments of silent prayer, rebound if necessary. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You are in charge of all things, that You're full of grace and mercy, and that You have revealed Yourself in Your Word. gives us confidence and courage. We pray that You will help us to rightly divide that Word by continuing to study it, meditate on it, so that it can go into our long-term memory so that we can be good and faithful servants for You. So we pray that You'll help us to... Focus and concentrate this evening, for we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Um, We're in the gospel series, and you'll remember where we left off last time, maybe. Let's see. Um, We ended uh, on... um, or at least we covered Romans 8, 12 through 14. We're going through verses that people would look at and and try to allege that you have to do something other than believe in Jesus Christ in order to be saved. Usually that comes in the form of maintaining your salvation, that you have to uh, persevere. You have to keep on keeping, keeping on, and if you do not, then it means that you're either in danger of losing your salvation or else it would be Indicative that you really never had it to begin with, and we are refuting that heresy as we go through these verses. That's the purpose, so that you will be able to look at these verses, and when someone would would say, "See, you have to you have to uh, continue uh, to be led uh, by the Spirit," and if you don't, then you probably don't have the Spirit, uh, or else you've lost it. And we're we're going to be able to explain, because every one of these verses taken in context with the um, original languages in, in view, explain themselves. And it's always faith alone in Christ alone. So in Romans chapter 8, verse 12 through 14, So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Now, we're going to see this over and over, by the way, <clears throat> even in the... A couple of the scriptures we're going to go over tonight. The Bible is con- continually warning us about the flesh. Here in this verse, it says we're not un- uh, we're not obligated to be under that's tasso meaning to be subordinate to or are a servant of the flesh, but to live <clears throat> not to live according to the flesh. But then verse thirteen, for if you are living according to the flesh. Now you notice I have a first up there in the brackets. You, not every time, but most of the time that you see an if in your in your English Bible, you need to question what does what that uh, mean? Because I, I've told you before, there's four conditional clauses in the in the Greek. So if you were reading this in the English, you would think, "For if you are living according to the flesh," and what would you think? Well, maybe you are, maybe you're not. But this is not what this is saying because this is a first class conditional clause, which means if, and from the viewer's, from the speaker's perspective, it is true. So this would be if you are living, and it's a present active indicative, which means that you continue this action of living according to the flesh um, in its reality indicative mood, so, if you are living according to the flesh, and it means, and you are. Now, he is referencing who? Look at the first verse 12. So then, brethren. These are not Jews he's writing to. They are Gentiles. They're Romans. He's calling them brethren because they are believers. And they are also living, and they keep on, at least in a in a linear action sort of uh, phase uh, according to the flesh so if you do that it says you must die what does that mean is that talking about you you're going to die eternally in the sense of uh, perishing into the lake of fire we know better than that is it talking about uh, dying spiritually well we know it can't be that if you're a believer you have uh, eternal life And we know that the Spirit doesn't die anyway. Spiritual death is nomenclature for being separated from God, and we know that it can't be that. But it can refer to an operational death, which means that if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, if you're not growing, taking in the Word and applying doctrine, essentially you are operationally as if you were dead. You're not even in the game. You're sitting on the bench on the sidelines, and that could be referenced as, operational death as a Christian. However, I don't think it, it could mean that, but I think the main force of this is you're going to die physically. This is a warning of the sin unto death. So if you continue to live, and some of them were, according to the flesh, you must die. Now that's a stern warning. Now I know we're all going to die, but we're talking about dying uh, ahead of time than what you normally might die in, in, as a result of punishment. But, now we have a contrastive conjunction there, but if by the Spirit, and of course it means if you live by the Spirit, and this is, by the way, what? First class condition, and it means what? They are. But if by the Spirit, you are, then you are putting to death the deeds of the body, then you will live. Future middle indi- middle indicative. So isn't it, isn't it something that he's talking to believers, and he says, if you are living according to the flesh and you are, then you must die. But if you're living according to the spirit and you are, then you will put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. What what is he what is it what's the dilemma here? There's no dilemma. What he's saying is there are believers who are Consistently living in operational death, and if they continue to do that, he's going to pour out his warning and intensify discipline on them and if they don't if they do not humble themselves and submit to the Lord, he will take them out and There were also some who are living by the spirit now this doesn't even mean that there was one group that was only living by the the old sin nature. And they were essentially on track. If they did not, what we would say, rebound, there, there was a, a danger that they might die the sin unto death. And then there was a, and then there was another group that didn't get into that, and they were just living by the spirit. I don't think he's saying that there was two separate groups. This one's going to die, and this one's going to live. I think he's talking to all of them and saying, sometimes you're over here, and when you stay over there. You're on track to get disciplined even to the point where maybe God will take you out, and then sometimes you're over here living in the spirit. You see what I'm saying? And how do how do we know this? Because both of these are in the first class conditional clauses. He's talking to all of them. And he's really it, you can see that you have a choice. You can live according to the flesh, and you're going to die. And and even this die, if I was I'm not <laughs> I know you think that I'm exegeting this and going on wrong, but if I was teaching this, I would go much deeper. I would talk about this death a lot more. Not only does it mean physical death, but there's a lot of people walking, walking around in bodies that function, but in their soul, they're like zombies. They're already dead. They have checked out. They have given up. They have no relationship with God. Even though they're a believer, they don't, they don't have any, they're going to heaven. But they don't have any, they don't pray, they don't have any, they don't take in doctrine. They're operationally dead. And so their whole life is like death. You know, a body stinks when it's dead, and that's what their life is like. It just is, is uh, it stinketh. Now, here's, uh, by the way, it says, you will live. Future, middle, indicative. Now, we know that it says, if you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Future tense. This is going to happen in the in the future. Now, the the middle voice. We don't have it in the English, but what it's saying is that you are the the subject is producing the action of the verb. So it says you have to produce this action, and if you do that, then it is going to have a result. Your action is is reflexive. It's going to come back on you and result in something. And in this case, you will live. And I think this is, you, can, you could talk about this lift being, meaning you're going to live the abundant life. You're going to really live. Someone could say, well, it means uh, you will live meaning eternal life. I don't think so. Because he's not talking here in terms of anything that's positional. It's all um, experiential. When he says you will live, it means you're not going to die of the sin and the death. You're going to live and you're going to really live. Now, verse 14, but it says, For all who are being led by the Spirit. And here you have, this is interesting. Being led is a present passive indicative. So the only way that we can live and put to death the deeds of the body is is not by us doing something, but us receiving something. In Ephesians 5.18, when it says, Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a very, it's a, a it's um, it's an aorist, it's an aorist passive, no, I'm sorry. It's the aorist passive imperative. It's a command. But not to do something, but receive something. And we see it here, the same thing. If you are being led by the Holy Spirit, this isn't a command, but it's it's, it's saying for all those being led. And how, how do we receive something? We all know the mechanics of how to do that. By acknowledging our sins to God. When we do that, what happens? We receive something. The empowerment, the guidance, the control Uh, All that from the Holy Spirit. So all those who are being led by the Holy Spirit and you continually do it, you receive it and it's indicative mood. It is reality. You're being led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. Now someone that really didn't understand grace would look at that and say, see, it's talking about whether you're going to live or whether you're going to die. And... If you're not being led by the Spirit of God, then you're not even a son of God. Well, why? Well, because you profess that you are a Christian, but you really weren't saved when you believed in Christ. You weren't one of the chosen. You weren't one of the elect. You just thought you were, because if if you did, you would you would fulfill this, uh, continue to be led by the per, by the. Holy Spirit. That's how believers persevere, and you have to persevere. So if you're not persevering, you're not being led by the Spirit. You're not a son of God. You see the rationale? Ah, but we have a word here: huios. You know that's that's not technon. It's not napios. Not a baby. Not a not a a, a, a regular son. You know, a, a, a boy. We're talking about an adult man here. And what makes this important? is that this whole verse is experiential. Most believers are not huios experientially. They are napios. That means they're still babies spiritually. Now, I took you to verses. I don't know if I have one here. I think it might be here. Uh, Yeah. Galatians 3.26, For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We are all adult sons for if we have believed in Jesus Christ positionally. And why is that? Because as an adult sons, we don't lack anything because God did it all. So when he sees us, he sees us through the the filter of all that he did for us the moment we believed in Jesus Christ. So he sees us as adult. He sees he sees his own righteousness. He sees eternal life. He sees someone that had a spiritual gift that was imparted to them. He sees a a believer who is an ambassador. He sees a a, a believer that is a priest. They're not lacking anything because he accomplished that. But that is not what this verse is about. This verse is all about experientially whether you're going to be a son or not. We might even say whether you're going to be a son indeed that's what we want to be recognized as. Now, I, the Bible, using the masculine, of course, you ladies understand you would be, a, I guess, a daughter indeed, which would be an adult daughter. I probably spent longer on that than I had anticipated, but I just wanted to go back over that. Here's a few verses that we're showing, uh, other verses that have conditions as to whether you're going to be a son or not. Uh, Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Well, what if you're not a peacemaker? What if you're a believer and you believe in Jesus Christ and you're not a peacemaker? Does that mean you're not a son of God? No, it means you're not a weos experientially. You're still a napios. You're still a baby. Matthew five forty four and 45. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be... Look at that. Maybe. That's a junkie mood. Maybe. Sons of your Father who is in heaven. Well, I thought if you believed in Jesus Christ, you are a son of God. That's what Galatians 3.26 says. You see how confused you can get if you don't understand the importance of rightly dividing the word of truth and being able to discern what is positional and what is experiential? There's no there's no conflict here. Luke 6.35, but love your enemies and do good and lend... The, Lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the most high. Do I have to do all that to be a son of God? Well, I don't know, what are you talking about? You talking about positionally? No. Experientially? Yes. Revelation twenty one, seven. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Who's he talking to? He's talking to a Meticoid. He's talking to a mature believer. He's talking about inheriting here. And those are the sons and deeds. Those are the huyots. Got it? Okay. Buckle up. Okay. Some argue that preserving, uh, persevering in holiness is necessary to maintain salvation. By using the present tense argument, they claim that the present tense of the verb... Believing proves that one must keep on believing and or do good works to be eternally saved. I want you to turn to John 3.16. I know you know John 3.16. Still need to turn to it. Now, if you were looking at this verse and the way that you always understood this verse, you probably are thinking, "Okay, um, this is John three sixteen, and it would let me let me kind of exegete this for you. For God so loved the world. By the way." That's so interesting. The word cosmos, which means world, that's another thing I, I wish I could take the time to explain. That word has about seven different meanings. And uh, I'm, I'm, I might even list in this Logos, Logos class show some of the tools how you can just zero right on that and get all the different meanings. Of course, we know it can mean world, like the land, the earth, or whatever. But in this case, it's talking about um, the people that populate the earth. Here it says, for God, uh, for God so loved the world. And in First John, I think it's a 3, uh, he says, love not the world or the things in the world. Is that a contradiction? No, it just means that the world means different things. Sometimes the world means worldly, what we would say worldliness. But I'm getting off track. Forget that. Don't forget it, but just shelve it for right now. So, if we were looking at this, we would say, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him." You would probably think that that would be a an aorist, uh active indicative, wouldn't you? Or maybe even a perfect active indicative. When you believe, it has you believed in a point in time, and the results go on and on. And active voice, you did it. Indicative mood, it was reality. Isn't that what you would suspect? In him, uh, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have uh, eternal life. Well, the only problem here is that believes is not even an aorist tense. It is a participle that is in the present active. Here it is on the log off screen here and here is believes pistuo here is the lemma that's the dictionary form and you don't you don't know what this this is here but this is talking about a perfect active participle okay i mean excuse me present active participle so let me get this off the board so it won't scramble your brain um Huh? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> too late, okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, what are you going to do if somebody made an argument like that? And, by the way, if you turn, I, I'll just show you on the board here, it doesn't get any better in John three thirty six, Because you would think that, too, would be a perfect active indicative. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. And that, too, is a present active participle. And so those uh, that would allege that, see, this is the present tense uh, uh, participle argument that you have to keep on believing or else you will lose your salvation or it means you never had it to begin with. So I'm going to give you a little bit of Greek, and I don't want it to hurt for you to have a headache but you will, it will help you uh, tremendously in communicating and just understanding the English language. There's just so many people that, that don't know these things. And I know that what you might be saying, well, you're the one that needs to know these. I don't need to know it. Well, if you're going to refute this argument, you're going to have to know it. You're going to have to know something. So participles and infinitives are classified as verbals. Verbals are different from verbs in that they cannot stand alone as the main verb of a sentence. A verb is sometimes referred to as a finite verb because it finishes and completes the thought of a sentence. In other words, if you have a verb like the present active indicative, that would be maybe first person singular. That is a finite verb because it has a number on it. The the third person, if it has a person It means it's finite, it's definite, and it will complete a thought. Participles are usually, you can recognize them because they have ing on the end. Not all the time, but most of the time. Running, uh, shooting, talking, learning, all these are called verbals and participles. Now, an infinitive is easy to recognize because nearly every time in the English, It'll have the, le- the word to before it. To run, to hit, to fall. Okay? So, participles have ing most of the time. Infinitives have the word to before it most of the time. And here's a verb. <coughs> here's an example. If uh, the, 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 This example. He runs. Do you know that's a complete sentence? And do you know why? Because runs would be a third person uh, singular there. It has a person. It's actually a finite verb. He runs. That's all you're telling it. And it has a subject and it has a verb. However, if I, if I said, uh, he running, does that make any sense? If I came to you and I said, he runs, you would have said, okay, you might say where, but you would understand I'm telling you something. But if I came in and I said, he running, you said, he what? He running. Okay. Well, what's the rest of it? I mean, that's not even a sentence. That's not. You, it does not stand alone. That's what participles are like. That's how they're different from a regular verb. And infinitives are the same thing. Are the same way. If I came to you and I said to run, and you might say, okay, what? It's not. It doesn't finish a thought. You understand? You might say, what are you saying? To run or not to run? That's the question. But You'd have to get something to finish it. It doesn't complete. That's what infinitives and participles do. Now, I've told you, most of you recognize that in, in any grammatical verb, if it's not a participle or it's not an infinitive, it has a tense voice and mood. Tense relates the verb to time. Voice refers to um, the, uh, the type of action, has to do with the action, and mood has to do with reality. But in verbals such as participles and infinitives, they have no mood. You know, mood would be like imperative mood, indicative mood of reality, subjunctive mood. They don't have any of that because they're just thrown out there and they're kind of a hybrid verb that tells you something, but they're, they're, it it, it tells you something about either an adjective, either the subject or a verb. I know I'm doing a bad job explaining this, but here, a participle is a hybrid across between an adjective and a verb. What I'm saying is, it has, when you look at a participle, let me show you one on the Libronics here. Just for a moment, when you have a participle like believing, here, this is a present active participle. That's the verbal aspect to it. But over here, it's a singular, uh, it's a singular neuter masculine. See right here. Well, I don't know if y'all can see it, but the F N F N M is the 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 noun nomenclature. What I'm saying, it has both. Aspects of a verb and a noun. You understand? Boy, oh, I'll tell you. I'm <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, this is a, a singular nominative masculine. I'm sorry. Uh, so this this part here describes the verbal aspect of this word, and this part describes the uh, noun aspect of this word because they can act. They're kind of a hybrid of a verb or a noun, but most of the time it's an adjective. I, I just wanted to show you that, that anytime you have a participle, and usually when I give a participle, I only give you the verbal part because that's usually all you need to refer to, this uh, singular uh, nominative masculine here. The reason that's important, because see, what is it? Ta- who is it that it believes? Well, over here. You have an, uh, 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 a dative, and it's a, see, you, uh, you have the uh, nomative, uh, uh the uh, nominative singular masculine. I don't know what the D stands for, uh, maybe an adjective. No, nope. that would be uh, probably a pronoun. Anyway, you see how this matches this? It's not in the same order, but you have S-N-M essentially here, S-N-M. That's what that, how you can relate those two together. I'm getting probably way too deep for y'all, so let me just... <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's the same thing in English. When we're talking about... In fact, this is what we're showing you. I'm telling you, when you're reading in English and it has an I-N-G, it probably has about a 90% chance that it's a participle. Is it what? Uh well, a participles can be in uh, like a uh a, a prepositional phrase. A participle can be in that, but you don't call it a a participle phrase. It would be the a participle would be in a phrase like uh if you had a um what did I call it just a minute ago? A um uh I went blank Mike just like I did. I was I was to explaining to y'all. Uh of at, on in, or what prepositions, thank you. I go to when I'm talking about participles, my mind won't switch off the p of participle to go over into preposition, so to answer your question, dot yes, participles are in phrases like a prepositional phrase, or it might be um, an adverbial phrase, these type of phrases, yeah, okay, now, so here is like going, running, and believing. Sometimes function, Sometimes participles function more like verbs. Uh, for instance, now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling. That's a verb. You see that? But sometimes they act more like a noun or an adjective. Look at this. Um, Galatians 5, then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. Do you see how this is a verb? It is a participle, and this one here is acting as a noun or an adjectival aspect to it. You see the difference? See how they can act both ways? And we use these all the time, and we don't ever think about it. So stumbling can be, uh, now, to keep you from stumbling, which is a verb, or it's talking about the stumbling block, and that's not a verb. That's more of an adjective, and so I'm showing you they can act either way. Uh, participles that are substantival, which means act more like a noun, are nearly always preceded by a definite article. In other words, not in the English, but I'm saying in the Greek. If you have a participle and it has a definite article before it, then it's going to act more like a noun. You got that? And if it doesn't... uh, and by the way, the verbal idea then is barely present in these type of participles. And the other type, if it doesn't have a, a uh, direct object, I mean a uh, um, definite article before it, then it's got the verbal aspect. You got me. So we can tell. And when I'm looking at the Greek, I can tell when I see a participle whether it's acting more like a noun, more like uh, stumbling block or more if it's are more like a verb when it's talking about don't stumble you know or uh, stumbling I can tell by whether it has a an article before it or not now in the verses above both John 316 and 336 the word believers in the Greek are preceded by a definite article in the Greek and therefore function like adjectives having all but lost the verbal aspect attached to them. You got that? Boy, this is hard class. Uh, But I'm I'm determined just to go through it and hope something will stick. Here, I'm going to show it to you here. Here is the verb, Pistuo, um, present active participle. It's Pistuon here in the manuscript form. Now, See this little O here with the rough breathing mark? That would be pronounced ha. You know what that is? That's a definite article. So what that tells me is this is not present present active ongoing action as a verb because it's not acting like a verb. It's got the definite article here, which means it's acting more like an adjective or a noun. You see? So the way this would really, if you're getting... Even closer to the Greek, the way it would be, uh, the way it would be read would be, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that the believing ones in Him shall not perish but have eternal life." You see, that's because it's not; a, it doesn't have the verbal aspect. It would be the believing ones. Now, here in English, we see this "believes in Him." And, oh, that's got to be a verb. It's present tense. You're going to hell if you don't persevere. And that's all there is to it. But I'm showing you, maybe this is good that I'm showing you what I go through when I'm giving you something, how I can be dogmatic about something because this little ha, that's a, they don't have an H in the Greek, they just put the rough breathing mark, it looks like a half moon. Ha, bestuon, means it would be better translated, uh, uh, they gave his own begotten son, that whoever are the believing ones shall not perish. Okay, and that has no essential verbal aspect to it. And that's why you can show that this is not that you have to keep on believing. And the chances of you ever using this or remembering it, I know, are slim. But at least you know from the original languages that that idea, that argument, that since that is a present active participle that you have to keep on believing is hogwash. Okay, we're going to get out of that. The sooner the better. Yes. Do you have a question? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Both of them, I could, if you want, I won't do it, but I could tell you you're 336, you're going to have the same thing. It's the exact same word, and it's going to have that little ha before it. Yeah. And there it would be, he who believes on the Son. It would be translated, the believing ones on the Son. See, that's more as an adjective. It's not like, he who believes. When we see that in the English, and it says "he who believes," we think, "Oh, that's a verb." I'm Cut and dried. That's got to be a verb. Well, no, it's a verbal. It's a participle. It's got a definite article before it, so it's acting more like an adjective. The believing ones. Okay. Are y'all ready to move on? I. <laughs> I know some of y'all are just giddy. You're just beaming, and others are sitting there going, "Oh, I wish I was at the dentist." <laughs> huh oh okay yeah well uh and even see that's the i'm not gonna get into the other part i I won't even mention it about that verse. <laughs> Man, okay. I'll just—I won't even go into anything hard, but just mention this. It, be, it gets worse with John three sixteen. I'll just put show you on the board here a minute, and I could explain this too, but I'm not going to do it tonight. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever the believing ones are, you know, the believing ones in Him. This says, shall not perish. What do you think that is? Shall not perish. What mood do you think that would be in? The indicative mood that you're not going to perish, right? You understand? The indicative mood means it's reality. So this is saying, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever are the believing ones in Him shall not perish. And you think, yeah, that's that's indicative mood for sure. Sorry, it's subjunctive mood. And that means it's a potential normally. Is it only a potential? And then you get over here and it says, but have everlasting life. Surely if we're the believing ones, we're not going to perish and we're going to have eternal life. Both of these are in the subjunctive mood. And I'm not even going to explain that tonight. I could, but it would be worse than what I went through already. So you're just going to have to have faith. (laughs) Okay? I'll explain it to you guys. All right? <laughs> yeah, listen. If I start explaining that, half the people aren't going to come back next time. I'll relate it to you, sweetie. <laughs> okay, here's another one now that I have on the board that will, should be a clincher. Uh, turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy 2.11. This will be much less painful than the present participle argument, I hope. First of all, I'm just going to read it without any annotations to it that I have added here. Some people will go here to try to demonstrate that if you quit believing, if you deny Christ, you're going to hell, or it will prove you're not really a believer. There are so many that will go to these verses and show that, and I'm going to show you in this verse, in these three verses, that ain't so. I and mean, you have to realize this one for sure. Second Timothy 2.11 It is a trustworthy statement for if we died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He also will deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful for He cannot deny Himself. Now where they zero in on here is, where's my deal here, Uh, if we deny Him, He will deny us. See that? You deny Christ, He'll deny you entrance into heaven. That is the thing, okay? I don't have much time, so I'll just read it with the annotations and that will tell you a lot there, okay? And I was going to start with verse, about three or four verses before this, which I don't have time to do, but I might review this next time to reinforce it and I'll read those then but it's clearly experiential leading up to here somebody uh verse 10 somebody uh, Craig can you hear is this mic going read verse 10 for me and you'll see the experiential aspect to it for this reason for this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen so that they also may obtain the salvation which is which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. Okay. Would you like to trade voices? <laughs> I sound like Minnie Mouse next to him. Oh boy, what a radio voice! Um, yeah. Well, now I got. Now that I did that, I got to handle that. Wow. Verse ten. You you ought to be able to handle it yourself, though. Um, let me get to verse 10 here in my Bible. Where a lot of people freak out is where we have the salvation there. L- what do you think that is there in um, verse 10? We're in Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 10. Um, for this reason I endure. This is Paul talking about he endures all things for the sake of those who are chosen. Who are chosen? Believers. He's talking about believers here, right? Okay. That they also may uh, may obtain salvation. And what should that tell you? Even in the English, you can tell that's a subjunctive mood. It's only a potential. So Paul does all this suffering that they may obtain salvation, which is in which is in Christ Jesus, which means it's provided uh, by Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. What this is talking about is not eternal salvation, but deliverance. To be delivered in this life from all the toils and snares and, and pitfalls and distractions. To be delivered from divine discipline, maybe even to sin and to death. He's working hard that they'll be delivered. And they do that. The way you do it is through Christ. And with it, see, if you're delivered, would you have eternal glory? This isn't just talking about the sweet by and by. This is talking about, and write it there, rewards. You Because it's in the subjunctive movement, it's only potential that you're going to have this eternal glory. And a lot of believers are going to be living in eternal glory, but they're not going to have this kind of eternal glory, which is rewards. I'm trying to show you the experiential uh, tone to all these verses le- leading up to this. So that, But see, people, salvation is a buzzword. People see that, and they're saying, uh-oh, we might have salvation. Well, he's talking to believers, and we might not have salvation cannot be referring to a positional, can it? It can't be talking about eternal life. Either we have it or we don't, and we have it. Okay, that... Now, with regards to Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 11. Now, it goes on. And it says, it is a trustworthy statement. That is a, uh, I wish they didn't um, translate it that way because it would be better translated, faithful is the word. In the Greek, it's pistos uh, ha-logos, uh, which literally translated is faithful is the word, you see? I like that a lot better than it is a trustworthy statement. It's talking the Word is faithful. The Bible is faithful, the Word of God. You could say faithful is the Word or you could say doctrine is true. It's always right. It's faithful. Okay. Faithful is the Word. For if we died, and look at this, active indicative, died in a point of time, and by the way, this is a first-class conditional clause because it says if we died with him, and we did. I know this because I'm not going to show you how to. Somebody has asked me. I'll, if you want me to show you how to determine in the Greek what's, what class conditional clause it is, I'll show you. But I'm not going to tell everybody right now because they'll go to sleep. So he says if we, look, He's even including himself. So he's talking to who? Believers. And he's saying, if we died with him, and we did, it says we will also live with him. These asterisks, I go down here and explain more about these words. And if we die, then we are, we are going to live. In verse 12, if we endure. This is a present active indicative. If we keep on enduring... And this is a first-class conditional clause also. You can tell that by the indicative mood. If we endure, and some are, we will also reign. This is a future active indicative. These are indicatives. You see this? But I want to show you something. This is a aorist tenth, a point in time. This died. Okay? This is... A, Y'all you have your Libronics open? Is this a uh, uh tense? Zoe? Yeah, but is it a is is it Aris tense? What is it? Future. Future tense, hit it. Okay, there's a future uh active indicative, which means it's a reality. What I'm trying to show you is since these are in the heiress tense, it's talking about a point in time and they're in 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 um, The indicative moods, it means that we did die with Him. Romans chapter 6 is where we find out that, and I have all this below here, but I'm running out of time. I shouldn't. See Romans 6? Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we should also live with Him. That's the exact same word here. It's talking about when Christ died on the cross, we positionally died with Him. It's called retroactive positional truth. So... And we did die with Him, so we will live with Him in a point in time. But now He's saying if we endure, and some of them them were, we will also reign with Him. But look, enduring is in the present tense. The present tense would show you that this has more to do with experiential. In the experiential realm, if we endure, if we keep on getting doctrine, if we keep on learning and growing and so forth, if we endure, then we're also going to reign with him. Future active indicative. It's a certainty. We're going to reign with him. What is reigning with him? Isn't that a reward? So we're not going to be able to reign with him unless we endure, and that's the present active indicative. This first part is talking about positional, but now with verse twelve, he goes to he sw- He's talking about experiential. Do you know what he's doing here in verse? Uh, Eleven he's essentially saying, Look, you died with Christ, we're going to live with him. These are realities, it's going to happen. it's a done deal. He's talking to believers. But now he switches in verse twelve and he's going to start saying that um, there are some conditions here, though, with these. if we reign, some are going to reign. I mean some are going to endure, they're going to reign. Then we have here, if we deny him, and this is first class conditional clause also uh if we deny him and some will this is a future middle indicative the middle the middle voice means they are the one that produced the action and they are they're the ones that denied him and they're going to be affected by that action and some will deny him if they do that he will also deny will deny us this is a future middle indicative both of these are the same he will deny us what what is it talking about? Raining, and the verse right before that is talking about experiential. He's going to deny us rewards. Verse 13. If we are faithless, and this is a present act and indicative, and we are, every one of these are first class conditions. You remember the, when we were in that other verse where it said, If you live by the flesh, and you are. And others said, If you live by the spirit, and you are. This is doing the same thing, see? And when it says, if we, he's talking about uh, some people are going to live by the, by the flesh, some are going to deny him, and some are going to uh, endure. They're going to reign. The other ones, are, what's going to happen to them? Are they going to go to hell? No, he's talking about rewards there. He's going to die, d- deny us rewards. If we are faithless, present, active, indicative, and we are, he's saying every one of you believers, and he, if Christ was here, he'd point his finger at you, he point his finger at me, and he's saying you are faithless. You might endure or you might deny me, but none of that matters. That's why he made sure if we died with him and we did, we will also live with him. We're going to live with him regardless. There is the, the, there is the security right there. All of us died with Him on the cross. If you just read some of Revelation, I mean uh, Romans 6, that's what it's telling us. So He said all this is the security, and if you, if you endure, you're going you're gonna to reign, you're going to get the reward, but if you deny Him, then He's going to deny us. And in context, He's talking about rewards. He says if we are faithless, and we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. It starts up here, faithful is the Word. You see the the, the double meaning here? Who is the Word? Jesus Christ. This is in the Greek, word for word, what it's saying. He's saying faithful is the Word. You died with Christ, it means you're going to live with Him. However, some are going to endure and they're going to reign, and others are going to deny Him and And if they do, He will deny him rewards. If we are faithless, and we are, it doesn't matter. He remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. He cannot go back on His promise of eternal life through faith in Him. Isn't that beautiful? See where it says right down here? It says, He remains faithful. Faithful is the Word. Here's what the potential is. We might endure, or we might deny Him. It doesn't matter in any of that. We're still going to live with Him. And why? Because he cannot deny himself. The things that he has, he the only thing that he requires for eternal life is faith in him. And even if you if if you deny him, and you, you can, there are believers that have are now Buddhist. Some of them are Muslims. Some of them are all kinds of things, and they denied Christ. People say, are they still saved? Absolutely. Why? Because he cannot deny himself. The gifts and calling to God are irrevocable. He cannot take back the eternal life and the imputed righteousness that He gives at the moment of salvation. It's impossible for Him. This word here, cannot, is uh, may dunamis. May is the negative. Or it might be ook. I'm not sure. But it means He doesn't have the power to deny Himself. He cannot because He is perfect. He is true and He is just. So faithful is the Word. Here is a trustworthy statement. That's trash. Faithful is the Word. He remains faithful. cannot deny Himself. We might, we might endure and get rewards or we might deny Him. None of that matters as far as where we're going to live with Him. And I've got all this down here that I didn't get to. I'm, see, I take the word live and cannot deny Himself. And I'll give you a lot more information, but I'm out of time. And I'll give you more of that next next time. But I wanted you to get a flavor. Isn't that a great verse? And people will turn to this verse. And the only thing that they do is they'll say, uh, if we deny Him, He will also deny us. That's all they get out of the whole thing. i got three hands up. Okay. Uh, Michael, I'll take you first because you were up first. Yes. Okay, uh, Pete. In the previous verses tonight, he talked about the sin and the death, mm-hmm. and this is where the uh, the sin and death comes into play here. Whether you and you become a Muslim and start denying him, or mm-hmm. you just say I'm going to quit believing on what you have done, you're risking the shortened life that God wanted you to have. Right. When he says that if you deny me, I'll deny, uh, die, den, uh, he will die, deny us, and then in the context it's talking about rewards, that's only part of the thing that's going to happen. That's all this is dealing with here. But in other ones, you're going to have big trouble while you're still on earth. Doreen? Uh-huh. In that first, I'm sorry, in that
1: first part that says if we deny him, Mm-hmm. Uh, is that like saying, even though we may have one time accepted him as our savior and later on get all messed up <laughs> and deny that or deny, you know, or go into some other, like you said, Buddhism or something? Mm-hmm. Is that what it indicates? It can mean it, that. But what does what the word deny, the actual meaning or something there in that exact spot mean? The word there is
0: arainamai, and arainamai.
1: It's arainamai. Uh-huh. A-R-A-M-A-I. Here it is here.
0: It, it means to deny or refuse, um, to refuse someone, or not to know or recognize him, to reject him either in the face of a former relationship or, 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 or better knowledge to deny, to decline, to reject, give up, all the renounce. That's within that uh, purview of uh, our, our Naomi. Does that answer your question?
1: Uh, to that degree. I, you know, I was just um, reading it. I, I keep, you know, trying to read it as if it were correctly translated you know, adding in all the stuff. Well, you, you know, it, it, people deny Him without... Um, Outright denial.
0: Yeah, without... Uh, right. what, what's the term? There's a term when you, um, when you leave a religion uh, without being apostate and just saying, I no longer believe in Jesus Christ. Converse. It, it, can, it can mean that, but it can also mean how many times do we deny Him when we have a chance to stand firm for the faith, we have a chance to say something about Him. It has that same purview also, that how many times do we deny him? Well, look what Peter did. He was under pressure, and he, he denied him three times, even cursing and everything. We do the same thing. This, what this verse really is, these three verses combined, where, where people try to say, if you deny uh, him, he'll deny us, they try to take a verse that is a beautiful verse about eternal security and turn it upside down because they take a few words out of it, out of the middle, out of context, and they say, See, if you deny Him, He'll deny you. That means you can't go to heaven and believe. We're standing there and then, Well, I don't know about you. <laughs> when you look at it, the Word is faithful. He, and He is faithful. He cannot deny Himself whether we're going to get rewards, whether we deny Him on a daily basis, whether we reject Him altogether. None of that matters. Because we died with Him, which means we will live with Him. That's the first part. Then no matter what happens in between those, He is faithful. We are kept by the power of God. Uh, let me show you one... One I was going to sh- show you this last time, but I'm going to show you the gist of this right down here at the bottom. Here it is. Our eternal salvation does not depend on our faithfulness. It depends on God's faithfulness. That's what that verse is about. It doesn't have anything to do with... Deny us access because we don't uh, persevere.
1: So when it's saying, "If we're faithless, and we all are," mm-hmm. does okay? Should it? Would it?
0: None of us are faithful a hundred percent of the time. That's what I'm trying to get at. It, yeah.
1: it would read better if it said, "If we're faithless and." Uh, well, people. There we so are believers,
0: there's so many right. believers that have different degrees of faithfulness. Right,
1: and we all but are. But we one time all or are another.
0: unfaithful sometimes. Right. Okay. We are all faithless sometimes. And what right. he's saying here, it doesn't matter if you're unfaithful long enough, right. and you your your whole attitude and your negative and all this, uh, you you're not going to you're going to be denied right. rewards. You're not going right. to be denied access into right. heaven, which is what they're alleging. Right. Why? How can that be possible? Because he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. In his word, his eternal word, he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And he cannot change that. Just because we are unfaithful, we're faithless, he remains faithful. That is our security. I get it. Okay. um, I'm sorry I went over just a little bit. But um, I hate to leave hands raised out there. Uh, Remember, I won't be here. We won't have Bible class Thursday, and I will see y'all hopefully Sunday. uh, Oh, well, yeah, Friday. I forgot. I'll see some of you Friday night uh, at the movies. We have two movies. I'm going to give you a choice which ones you want. And then Saturday, if you're going to be here at Logos, I'll see you then. And then uh, if not, I'll see you Sunday. Yeah, 2 o'clock Sunday here, we'll have another Logos class this Saturday. Okay, let's close. Father, thank You for this time You've given us to look at Your Word. Your Word is designed for us to meditate on, for us to go to the depths. Pastor-teachers should go to the original languages for accuracy and being able to dig these things out to get the meaning. And when we do, we see even more wonder and more treasure there. We're so thankful that... Our eternal destiny depends on your faithfulness and not ours. We should be giving you thanks for that all the time. But in this, we should endeavor and strive to be good and faithful servants also. We should reach for the gold and go for the prize because you have made it available to us and given us everything that we need in order to um, be rewarded by you, which brings you glory. So we pray that You will help us to put this all together and that it will be a motivating force in our souls. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.